Hello, hello, and welcome to another edition of the Green Beige Podcast. As always, that is AJ. He is the Green. I am Ken. I am the Beige. And the, today we are going to have a very special episode. I mean, we call every episode special. So, I mean, this is this is like you having multiple children, right? You love all your children the same. So, we're going to have a special episode anyway, where this week we are going to be talking about these teams who, well, used to be undefeated, but are undefeated no more. The 1972 Dolphins, I guess a little bit earlier than usual, they're able to crack the champagne because there are no more undefeated teams left in the NFL. But before we get there, you know how we do. AJ, how's it going, my brother? Good, bro. All is well. Um, yeah, I just hear everything is good. What about your end? Yeah, well, you know, life is life. Everything is not perfect, but we give thanks to more. I mean, during all things and hope for better days to come, of course. Oh, really? Yep, so this week, as always, you know, we start our episode with Off The Rip, our weekend recap. And our weekend recap, for those of you who may not be familiar, is where we look at some of the stuff that happened over the weekend. And I give a, a, well, a headline. I come up with a headline and I ask AJ and whoever else is with us at the time to determine for me if my headline is cap or not cap that's why it's called the weekend recap so aj you know this weekend like you said we're starting with these former undefeated teams and we're going to start with that team out in san francisco the team from the bay san francisco 49ers they were up against a team that everybody expected that they would have beaten the cleveland browns this is the Cleveland Browns that came into the game without having their starting quarterback, Deshaun Watson, who is still nursing a shoulder injury. They also downed their all-pro running back, Nick Chubb, who had the devastating knee injury a few weeks back. So all signs pointed to the 49ers doing what the 49ers always do, which is that they dominate the game, and then they run away as double-digit winners. However, that didn't work out this way, that way, this weekend. The Cleveland Browns, they frustrated the 49ers all evening long, and until their kicker had an opportunity to win the game, he pushed the ball wide right, causing the 49ers to lose 19-17. But the story coming out of the game was that Debo Samuel, he went down hurt. And from the time he went down hurt, Well, Christian McCaffrey also went down hurt and Brock Purdy suddenly looked mortal. He didn't look like the all-knowing, all-throwing, all-powerful quarterback that he was every other week so far this season. So, cap or no cap, Brock Purdy can't cut it on his own. Ah, that's no cap. We can start off. (laughs) Start off right there. That is no cap. And I don't think it's disrespect to Brock Purdy either. Either, um, Just one of those situations. I don't think by any stretch of the imagination that Brock Purdy is a bad quarterback, but I don't think Brock Purdy is the difference maker quarterback. I don't think he is franchised in, in that sense. Not not as yet. Um, pretty very well. He's definitely a starter, but franchise I don't know about. And when you do have what you would call, like, I guess, a good 
starting quarterback who loses his <laughs> so many weapons, I would say, during the game, that obviously is going to, to affect the offense of the team. And I, I need to mention this too because I don't think I've been saying it a lot, but have, it has come up in another conversation of mine. The Browns' defense is a lot better than people give it credit for. No, granted, the Niners could have still won this game. They were a, a, like a missed field goal away from winning the game. But the reality is that the Browns' defense is, is actually pretty good. It's the offense that's been stuttering, but the defense has been pretty solid so far. Um, so while I am surprised that they were able to take the win away, at, at the end, I, I feel like, because I, I didn't watch this game. This is, I actually wasn't able to tune into this game. So, um, yeah, I, I, but I, I know it clearly. If, if you keep the, that, that Niners offense to 19 points, all, and of course that had to do with some of the players that went down injured, I mean, it's still a good day for you. And I, I actually said that to say that I can't necessarily fault Brock Purdy for looking average on a day like that. I think he can bounce back and, and basically have a better game um than he did it it's kind of hard to lose so many of your offensive weapons in in one game and especially playing like a top level defense so um i'd give him that excuse but at the same time i never ever necessarily bought into rock pretty being the guy he's one of the guys and he's the guy that can facilitate the guys but i don't ever think that he was the guy to be able to do it on his own so um, to say that he can't cut it on his own is no cap. So the way how this is worded is a little bit, I guess, I, I don't even know what's the word I want to use. Because no quarterback in the NFL can cut it on his own. So in that regard, it's no cap. But the conversation that we're hearing right now is that Brock Purdy is, he is a creature of the system. He is just the guy who is able to run the Shanahan offense to the degree that Shanahan wants it run. And therefore, we don't have to worry if you're the 49ers because Brock Purdy is going to do what Shanahan wants him to do. And to his credit, he's been able to put the ball in the spots where he's needed to put it. He hasn't had too much controversy in his career so far. This is his first regular season loss since he's been named the starter. So when you put that in, when you take all of that into consideration, then there are lots of people know who have their knives out for Brock Purdy. And to be fair, I mean, if there's some jealousy going on here, then that is to be expected. You have one guy who has been dominating the league, and his team has also been dominating the league. So. When you get an opportunity now to stick the knife in them, then you're going to take that chance. But to say that Purdy was the reason that they lost, I think it's a little bit harsh. Because, okay, Elijah Mitchell is a competent running back, but he's no Christian McCaffrey. And yes, they have Brandon Ayuk, and they have George Kittle, but... They still needed a Debo Samuel because that's the game plan that they came into the game with. You suddenly take out two very key cogs in the machine, and the machine is not going to run as smoothly as it was running before. 
No, you know I am not the biggest Kyle Shanahan fan. I think that Kyle Shanahan sometimes gets in his own way. We're trying to show everybody just how clever he is. So maybe there was a bit of Kyle Shanahan trying to tell us just how clever he was while not putting the ball in the hands of the playmakers that he did have to make things happen. And I think it's specifically George Kittle who was not so long ago considered to be the maybe the third best tight end at worst in the NFL behind um, Travis Kelsey and Mark Andrews. But Kittle has been an afterthought in this offense since the season's begun. And Shanahan could not figure out, well, hey, wait a second. If I'm down my two best players on offense, maybe I need to get the ball in the hand of my third. So, yeah, Purdy didn't cover himself in glory in this one because there were a lot of throws that he missed. There are players that he should have made that he did not make. But at the same time, if you lose the players that you did lose, it's a little difficult then to say, oh, well, Purdy is the problem. Purdy can't do it. Yes, he's about to be Mr. Irrelevant. We weren't having this conversation last week or the other 16 weeks that he was a starter. So... Let's let's pump the brakes on that one, please. I, I agree, and I have to mention this because this really, this really grind. It, it, it had grind my gears in fantasy, right? Because after mm-hmm. George Kittle's week against against the Cowboys, I decided to put him back in my lineup. Might give me a single catch for a single yard again. Mm-hmm. Tell you right down my fantasy here. <laughs> Listen, it's a little difficult when. Amala George Kittle, he is going to play pretty much every snap because he is such a good blocker as well. Yep, exactly. But then the game the game plan, because you can't even say the game flow, because the game flow should have flowed in his direction. When the game plan doesn't go yeah. his way, yeah. then it's kind of hard to predict what his, especially what his um, production is going to be on a weekly basis. If this week didn't do it, then they don't know what will. For real. All right, so that was one team that was undefeated. And now we moved from that team to the other team. And so this is one of the places that, I remember, if I remember correctly, you used to call home. This is Philadelphia. You're the man that's doing the NFC East tour. So now we got one, one more left. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So the Philadelphia Eagles, the Philadelphia Eagles were the other team that came into this weekend undefeated. And the Eagles were playing against the New York Jets. Yes, that is the Jets that still don't have Aaron Rodgers, even though he was out there in pregame without any crutches and throwing the football. He may have some some special um, healing properties that we are unaware of, but I digress. So these Jets, nobody really gave them a chance coming into this game because the Eagles, the Eagles have one of the best run games in the league. They have two very good running backs. Um, well, three if you want. Well, two very good and one good because they can't really say Boston Scott is very good. He, he's a good running back. He's productive in the Eagles system, similar to what um, you know they said Brock Purdy is in San Francisco, but. You have Kenneth Gainwell, you have DeAndre Swift. You came into this game with AJ Brown on a tier who has continued to rack up the yards. He had a hundred and well, 
more than 150 yards in this game. He had, sorry, 131 yards. Seven receptions, 131 yards. I think he now has the record for the most consecutive 100-yard games in the Eagles' history. So you take all of that into consideration and you tell yourself, well, the Jets don't really have a chance, but you know the Jets have a defense that is formidable. And this defense was able to keep the Eagles out of the end zone in the second half. Well, the Eagles scored all of their points in the first half. They only scored 14 points and lost the game. 20 to 14. Zal Wilson, no interceptions, but no touchdowns. 19 of 33 for 186 yards. Now, this probably would not have been as damaging if the Cowboys didn't win this game last night against the Chargers. And AJ, I, I think I got to stick up in here because this season, last season when we were doing like when we were coming into the season, and I told you, like for fantasy, I really didn't have a good feel for where the like, teams were, players were, and that kind of stuff. And it felt really weird not having that, you know, that insight going into the season. This season, I've been all over the shop when it comes to the prime time picking because my prime time picking, my, my picks have not really scored as highly or as consistently as they have in the past. And this is really, really frustrating because, well, you know, that probably is my fault because I should have known better than to put my faith in Brandon Staley. But I digress. Back to what I was saying before. So we had the Dallas Cowboys playing against the Los Angeles Chargers and the Cowboys were able to bring it home. They won the game 20-17. to 17. So now the Cowboys are 4-2, the Eagles are 5-1, and one. so AJ cap or no cap. Philadelphia has to look over their shoulder. With these cowboys coming on. Sorry. Uh to look over the shoulder at the co the cowboys. Um you know what I, I was imagining that this question question was being asked in a different light, so that one kind of stumped me. With regards to the cowboys, you know what? I will say that as cap. I just don't have the faith in the Cowboys that much and and I know I've I have been critical of the Eagles since last season even with all the winning record I've just continuously pointed out certain areas in which they seem to stumble and I will continue to do so um but I have even less faith in the Cowboys and there's no one else in the division um I I just I don't know I I, I think the Eagles have more than enough to, to see games out as opposed to the Cowboys. Like, I mean, we all were sitting there, we were, we were chatting in the damn time last night, and none of us picked the Chargers to win, as good as Justin Herbert is, and as much as we like Justin Herbert and all that. You know, so teams that I feel like the Cowboys should beat most times, they will beat, but then they're still going to lose to teams that they should not lose to. And I know it's kind of tongue-in-cheek, because the Eagles did the same this weekend, but the Eagles are going to grind out more wins than the Cowboys, essentially. So I don't think the Eagles have anything to worry about in that regard. I think okay. like looking over the shoulder of uh, the Cowboys is cap. Like the Cowboys haven't given me anything. I just haven't been convinced enough beyond a shadow of a doubt, especially with their offense. I mean, there's some dogs on the defense, so they'll make some plays. But even so, uh, I just I just don't trust their offense to be able to get it together for enough games to 
surpass the Eagles. I don't. Okay. So here, this, this is the one that you and I will differ. Because I don't think that this is capital. We have seen so far through six weeks, the Eagles have found ways to win games, except for this weekend. But every week that they have been in these games, they have not looked good. They have not looked very convincing. Yes, they won the games, but we said it just last week. Not all records are created equal. Not all undefeated records were created equal either. Because whereas the uh, 49ers were dominant in every game that they had played up until what happened just this past weekend, the Eagles were not. And because the Eagles were not, I felt a little trepidation where they were concerned. Now, compare that to the Cowboys, who, in my estimation, really should not have won this game this weekend. Because Justin Herbert, I thought Justin Herbert would be better than that. And he has weapons on the outside, and he also has a good defense. So why then should I feel nervous about picking Justin Herbert to win a game against Mike McCarthy, who calls plays similar to Pete Carmichael? And I don't really want to get too heavy into Pete Carmichael, especially at this point. But when we look at what occurred over these two games, yeah, I think the Eagles do have cause to be concerned because it's one thing if you can learn your lessons while you win, but when now you've lost the game, that that puts you in a bad spot. And now everyone kind of has an idea of what you can do to beat the Eagles. And it was mentioned on some of the, the shows over the last couple of days that when the Eagles found themselves under pressure especially on the offensive line, that Jalen Hurts was very quick to bail. As opposed to what he was doing, you know, in the weeks past, he would stay in the pocket and he would try to find somebody down the field. He was bailing faster than than usual. He was just getting out of the pocket, throwing the ball down, well, running the ball more so than throwing it. And one of the things that I've bemoaned publicly and privately is that when Jalen Hurts is passing the ball he is not getting everyone involved he's not really spreading the ball around like okay Patrick Mahomes because you can say he has a lack of talent on the outside he has to utilize you know everyone so like games will start and he will be seven of nine and he's hit seven different receivers Jalen Hurts is force feeding the ball to one receiver every game and for the last couple of weeks it's been AJ Brown he has been throwing the ball to AJ Brown over and over, after the first couple of weeks, it was Devonta Smith that was getting the ball, that was getting the play, that was doing all of the good things for them. So, yeah, at this point in time, I'm not confident with Philly. I mean, I'm not tremendously confident with Dallas either. But when I look at what the two teams have been doing and where they currently stand, then yeah, yeah, definitely Philly needs to be looking over their shoulder. If Dallas can can get their act together, then maybe they can they can go on a bit of a run. But that too is also no given. So enough of Philadelphia, enough of of um, Dallas, enough of the NFC East. AJ, I I just gonna just 
vent my frustration here a minute on Pete Carmichael and this scene. By all means, by all means. My man, I am so sick and tired of the pedestrian offense that is the New Orleans Saints. We have no reason to look this bad. We have no reason to only be 18.2 points per game in the bottom half of the league. We haven't, there's, there's nothing that should be causing us to be this terrible. Except that as, as Justin likes to call it, it's a friends and family league. The friends of Dennis Allen and Pete Carmichael right now are running my team in the ground. We are three and three. We should be no worse than five and one at this point in time. We should be leading our division. Thank God everybody in the division lost this weekend. But no, I I am I am I am done. I'm officially on the Pete Carmichael out every week. Every week. Until we get something going better. I'm gonna be saying Pete Carmichael out every week. I mean last week. He made it seem as if they may have potentially turned a corner when we won 34 to nothing against your Patriots. But that segues nicely into the next piece of our weekend recap. Because your boy, Bill Belichick, well, an interesting stat came out over the last couple of days. We've been focusing so much on Bill Belichick and his chase of Don Shula to become the winningest head coach in NFL history. But the struggles that your team has had over the last few seasons actually has him closing in on an, on another record and one that he probably does not want to have. Right now, Bill Belichick is eight losses away from having the most losses in NFL history. Where he would, well, right now, he currently sits at 155, I think. I want, let me get the actual stat. Yeah, he is 157. He's at 157. He's eight losses away from tying Jeff Fisher, Mr. Aiden himself. Where... He would be tied at 165, and then one more loss, he would be at 166, and he owned that stat by himself. So, a lot has been made of the struggles of Bill Belichick now that Tom Brady has departed first for pastors new in Tampa Bay, and now out of the league altogether. Bill has been considered by many for a long time to be the greatest coach of all time having those six rings. But the question is no AJ, cap or no cap, Bill Belichick will lose his rank of GOAT, greatest of all time, when he has the most losses in NFL history. Ken, I haven't been a, a very staunch defender of Bill Belichick in the last few seasons, as you are well aware. And it's been a few years now, right? Been calling for him to be off of this head coaching hot seat in New England. But I think I have to defend him here because I think this is cap. The reason why I say so is that I am not 
one that is of the opinion that he cannot be surpassed as the goal. And especially, I think, what has given more credence to, to, or more, even more, what will give more justification to that, or has so far, sorry, is the fact that Tom really left and won without him, right? And essentially had what was a Hall of Fame career outside of the Patriots in those few short years he spent down in Tampa Bay. The, the only reason I don't think that in this case that having that loss record is going to uh, um, make him lose that vote status is because I think that just is it's just kind of one of those stats. It has to do with the length of time he scores. Now, it, now either way, having the most losses in the league is not a good look of all time, but he's been in coaching that long. I think that's what it is. The flip side of that is I think what will allow him to be surpassed is w w wins, whether it's Super Bowl wins, whether it is um, wins, like regular season and postseason, like team wins, uh, overall wins. It's not that he can't lose his status, but I don't think having this record is going to make him lose um, the gold status because it, it, it just has to do with the length of it. Kind of is is one of those. I don't know. This is one of those stats that I don't really like. <laughs> it's one of those stats that I don't really like. I, I think it's a bit misleading because I mean, putting him in the same bracket as Jeff Fisher. I mean, come on, come on. Can <laughs> <laughs> as bad as Bill Bin, You're not taking Jeff Fisher over Bill in any conversation we have, unless we talk about who worse. <laughs> um, so I. I I don't know. I, he can be surpassed, but not, not. He's not going to lose goat status because he has the most losses. That's just a a a a, a trade-off of having been like probably the longest, the longest-serving coach in in the history of the league. So, I, certain pitfalls are going to come with that, but that's not going to be the reason he loses goat status. So this one is cap for me. Okay, well I understand why you would say that is cap. I completely get it. Completely, completely. But AJ, here, here again is where we will disagree. And the main reason why we will disagree on this one is because of the specific title that we're looking at here, being the greatest of all time. Because especially, like, if we're going to use the example coming from basketball, when we're talking about somebody being the GOAT, right, the conversation tends to get very nuanced because there are certain things that we have to take into consideration and other things that depend, well, I should say that you have to. Because depending on who you talk to, you will find people will weigh different things on a different kind of scale. Now, the thing that I am looking at here when I'm thinking of cap or no cap for this one, Dove Clayman, he posted on X, the artist formerly known as Twitter, that Brady, Tom Brady, your guy Tom Brady, has been covering for Bill Belichick for a long time. For a long time. And when we look at it, if you take the numbers in terms of wins and losses between um, when Bill had Brady and when he did not, with Brady, with, sorry, with Brady, Bill Belichick's 
coaching record is 219 wins and 64 losses. However, he has a losing record when he does not have Brady. His record is 80 and 93. Now, when you take a look at Don Shula, for example, Don Shula, he is the one that is currently um, sitting at the top with the most career wins at 328. He coached from 1963 pretty much every year up to 1995. That's 32 years as a head coach. And for the two teams that he coached, the Baltimore Colts, 1963 to 69, and then the Dolphins from 70 to 95, he does not have a losing record at any point in time. 71 and 23 for the um, six years that he was with Baltimore, and 257 and 133 for the weeks that he was with the Dolphins. Bill Belichick, he has a few years before when he was the coach of the Cleveland Browns. He was with them from 1991 to 1995. And he is 36 and 44 in that time. Right now, the Patriots are sitting at 1-5. And, and since Brady has departed, you will have to correct me if I'm wrong, but I do not remember the Patriots having a winning season since he has left. So, when I take all that into consideration, it's like, how are we saying that this man is still the good? Because when we when we start getting down into the numbers, he had, I guess, who most considered to be the greatest of all time in quarterback play. But yeah. outside of that, the numbers are heavily skewed the other direction because without Brady, he has a losing record. I, th I feel like we did have a winning record the year right after he left when we had Cam Newton. When we made the, was it the wild card that year? I feel like that was one. You have to correct. It could have been like, oh, whatever it was. I, but I think it was just that one year because we did still end up getting into either the wild card weekend or whatever it was. Um, but. I, I get your argument otherwise, though. I do get your argument otherwise. Um, I don't know. I just think, I just think that coming with coaching that long, it is going to. I I think having Tom obviously is is a, is a big um, reason why he's even in the conversation in the first case, but it can't negate the fact that he's in it because of that. So even the record that he has with him. I don't think he he necessarily gets taken out because of the record outside of that. I mean, before Tommy was relatively young enough, of course, relatively, not saying he was very young, but young enough and, and still growing in the business. And I mean, post-Tom, he's just an old man. <laughs> <laughs> he had Tom for the prime years of Tom's career and and essentially like the growing years and the mature years of his coaching life so I, I i get what i get what you're saying it is a credible argument but i don't know i for me the wins the the that loss record alone is not enough to to take him off that mantle yeah well i mean if the loss record isn't enough by itself then when you factor in everything else that i would have just mentioned then 
Yeah, it it does become a little bit more dubious. It's not a unanimous thing to say well Bill is the best coach of all time because he does have a losing record outside of the years that he had Tom. And just I did check it just now. Um so this is I'll just correct myself quickly. Um the Patriots have had one winning season since Brady yeah. has left. This is twenty twenty one. Twenty twenty one. So twenty twenty, I think that was the year that Tom had left. Yeah. And there were seven. Twenty twenty one was the first season without him when we brought in Cam. Right. So then there were ten and so you guys were ten and seven. And then right. last season you were eight and nine. And right now you sit at one and five. Just had to put that in there. Yes, of Thanks. course. Of course, of Thanks. course. Of course. <laughs> it would not be me if I did not do that. So AJ, that brings us to the end of our weekend recap. I mean, there are lots of other things that happened this weekend. Um, there are things that we could have mentioned, things we could talk about. But the, what we really need to get into right now, I mean, the spirit of the whole cap thing, I'll put my cap on. Because you see what the cap says, right? 22-23 NBA champions, the Denver Nuggets, are going to be beginning their defense of their title by the time we get back here, because if they had, if they were playing on Wednesday, then we would have probably left this the next week. But because the game is going to tip off, well, the banner is going to be raised and the rings are going to be handed out at 5.30 p.m. in the Mountain Time Zone next week, Tuesday. And we start at 6. By the time we get going, they're already going to have their rings and probably be getting ready to play against the L.A. Lakers to raise the curtain. On the 23-24 NBA season. Now, I actually had the pleasure of going to see the preseason game um, that they played on Sunday here against the Chicago Bulls. Of course, it's preseason, so you know not everybody plays. Not everybody plays as long as they usually would play. Philippe Nuggets, Michael Porter Jr., he did not play. Second-year player now, Christian Brown, he also did not play. For the Bulls, well, they didn't bring their best guys, Vucevic, uh, Nikola Vucevic, he was in street clothes. DeMar DeRozan, he had on um, an interesting looking t-shirt and some sweats. And, you know, nice looking pair of kicks. And um, Zach Levine was nowhere to be found. So, everybody is still in a ramping up mode, but we are going to be getting into things um, in earnest by next Tuesday. Which also is a reminder to everybody, if you're in fantasy... Get your fantasy team. Start doing your research because drafts are coming up if they have not come and gone already. But the one thing that we do need to make mention of with regards to this season is the NBA in-season tournament. I think we briefly mentioned this before when they had confirmed that it was coming, but now we know exactly how it is going to work. So for the in-season tournament, the entire NBA, the entire league is split into six groups of five we have three groups in the east and three groups in the west west group a is the memphis grizzlies the phoenix suns the la lakers the utah jazz and the portland trailblazers west b denver nuggets la clippers new orleans pelicans dallas mavericks and houston rockets west c Sacramento Kings, Golden State Warriors, Minnesota Timberwolves, Oklahoma City Thunder, and the San Antonio Spurs. In the Eastern Conference, Group A is the Philadelphia 76ers, the Cleveland Cavaliers, Atlanta Hawks, Indiana Pacers, and Detroit Pistons. 
Group B is the Milwaukee Bucks, the New York Knicks, the Miami Heat, Washington Wizards, and the Charlotte Hornets. And Group C is the Boston Celtics, the Brooklyn Nets, the Toronto Raptors, Chicago Bulls, and the Orlando Magic. Now, a lot of people who aren't really paying very close attention to this whole in-season tournament thing are a bit confused as to how this is really going to work. So let me give you the skinny. This is what we're here for at the Green Beige Podcast. So... With the in-season tournament, the games are going to be played on Tuesdays and Fridays up until the 28th of November. The games start on November 3rd with the exception of election night, which is November 7th when no games will be played. And they're playing every Tuesday and Friday up until the 28th of November. Each team will play the other teams in the group once. Their record in the four interconference games will determine whether this team qualifies for the knockout rounds. And in the event that the two or more teams are tied within the group, the tiebreaker will be as follows. Head-to-head record in the group stage, point differential in the group stage, total points scored in the group stage, and then their regular season record from the 2022-2023 NBA regular season. And if they're still tied after all of that, then it's a random drawing. But... Off the top of my head, I do not remember many teams that had equal records last season. So if they get all the way down to number four, then that should separate them out, well, properly. Now, once they get into the knockout rounds, these teams, the eight teams that are going to advance, are going to be playing um, single elimination games, similar to what happens with March Madness. And they begin the quarterfinals on December 4th and 5th. The semifinals will be played at neutral sites on December 7th. And then the championship game plays in Las Vegas on the 9th of December. Of course, you know, there's trophy, there's money, there's uh, MVP at stake as well. So we shall see how that plays out. So AJ, but the question is, in this case, does this in the season tournament move the interest needle for you at least <laughs> no nah, no nah, it doesn't i I'm, and i'm sorry i was trying to pay attention to everything that you were seeing but i was oh, darling wife was here helping me with some technical difficulties i was having outside so i i didn't hear every single detail so the in tournament the in season tournament sorry starts when the tournament starts on November the 3rd. I think you're muted. I can't hear what you're saying. Oh, sorry, sorry. And and this is still when? November 3rd? 28th. Hold on. November 28th. Okay. Yeah, so, okay, perfect. So, that's all I need to know. No, it still doesn't garner any more interest for me. Because I've never really... Not never. Let me not say that. In more recent years, I have not been as concerned with pre-Christmas basketball. That's the honest truth. And and so, especially while, while NFL is still going on, nah, not really. So even them trying to to get this new format to make it more of a of a, a tournament, not more of, but they've made it into a tournament, I guess, to to essentially to generally garner more interest because there's there's more at stakes when you're playing an actual tournament, right? But for me, at the end of the day, all it comes down to is which of these teams is going to walk over the chip at the end of the season? Because they're not building teams to play in an in-season um, tournament. 
so I, I have as little interest in it as I feel most of them would in the back of their minds. But I, I guess it, it does affect how they go forward with trying to um, not make that push for the, for the chip. But that's all I'm concerned with at the end of the day. So it's more like after Christmas, like, and especially after the All-Star break. But for the, 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 the playing, um, the in-season tournament, now, because, I, I mean, I keep mentioning, I keep saying playing. You know I wasn't even a fan of that. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I would say, though, I would say, I give the NBA credit for trying to come up with new ways to um, to get viewership back or get viewership up because you know the numbers have been dropping a little bit in recent years. So I give them credit for that. But I, this is for just me personally, nah, bro. In season tournament, even before Christmas, there, yeah, can't name about that. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess for some people. They will feel the same way you do, which is the in-season tournament really doesn't do anything for them. Because there are many people who do not check for basketball until after All-Star break. But this tournament is going to generate interest because of what what they have writing on it in terms of like the, the prize money and trophy and all that kind of stuff. Let's just say, for argument's sake, right? The Golden State Warriors were to win this this in-season tournament. More than likely, if they were to win the in-season tournament, Stephen Curry would be named the MVP of the in-season tournament as well. Because he is the straw that stirs the drink in Golden State. You know what that would do for Stephen Curry's legacy? Steph would be the first person to be league MVP, Western Conference Finals MVP, Finals MVP, All-Star MVP, and then the in-season tournament MVP. Mind you, just as an aside, this is all under LeBron's watch. So when when we get into conversation about who's the GOAT, then that's something else now for those detractors that they will be using in that argument, right? So that's that's number one. Point number two. As you mentioned, right now, this is going to be happening during the NFL season. Common sense would have dictated then that you don't put the games, the in-season games, on the days that the NFL plays. So that's what they did. They put it on Tuesday nights. They put it on Friday nights. Myth memory serves me correctly. Tuesday was already a day that the majority of the league, if not the entire league, would play on anyway because when we're doing it for fantasy, we will be trying to figure out who sits, who starts, because you can't play everybody. We we never have rosters that are big enough to accommodate the entire squad. So doing it this way, there's no disruption. And also the fact that the teams are going to, like, the games that they're playing in the tournament still count to their regular season tally of games. With the exception of the final for the two teams that make it, they will be playing in 83rd game, but everybody else is playing 82. It doesn't disrupt things. It gives them an opportunity to to just play the games and let's see what happens. And the fact still remains, as I started, with so many people checking out of the NBA until the games at Christmas. And then All-Star Weekend is when people say, okay, it's the stretch run, so now let's pay attention. 
it gives you something to actually latch on to now in the early part of the season. Because the NBA is not here to just punt on October to December. They want to have things happening that captures your interest and captures your imagination as well. So for me, I see it as a good thing. And especially when we get now down to the quarters and the semifinals, well, those are going to be playoff atmospheres in those arenas. It is going to be jumping like if it is March Madness because it's a single game elimination and anything can happen. This is the only time that these NBA teams have a single game elimination. So for me, I think it's a good thing. I think it is something that is going to generate interest. Even if it may not come at the very beginning, you only have four games. So when you're playing those four games, you're going to then, like, when you recognize, oh, wait a second, but somebody needs to win or maybe, like, the Lakers, if they struggle in the early games of the tournament and then suddenly now they need to win the next two games to get into the quarterfinals, people are going to pay attention. I I understand all of your points, and I I don't disagree with any of them. I was only saying strictly from my perspective, because you know what this feels like to me? It feels kind of like, like, it feels like a Nations League in football. It feels like like these kinds of tournaments that they don't necessarily determine the winner, but they're just basically about garnering some more interest because there is something at stake as by by labeling it a tournament. I, I at the end of the day, like I said, especially with the way the league is set up right now, the teams aren't getting structured or team these GMs aren't making moves to to bring all these high-profile assassins together to to play an in-season tournament, ah, it's, it's, it's about the price at the end of the road. It's about that 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 uh, um that bucket of cauldron of gold at, at the end of the rainbow. That's that's what everybody's looking for the, the the grand prize. So I don't know. It, it it just for me is not going to do much. And and you are right. Like the NBA is smart enough that they're not scheduling these games. And they have done a good enough job with that as well, of not uh, like scheduling games on the same nights that the NFL played. So kudos to them. But I mean, it, I just never. I keep saying never. I have a more in more recent times in in this era of basketball. I would say I just haven't been able to get into it, especially since I started ingesting the NFL a lot, a lot more. Okay. And having a more vested interest because of fantasy and whatnot, but I don't know, Ken. It, like I said, it feels like the Nations League tournament to me. It just, it's just, just like how the FIFA brought in the Nations League essentially to replace the ordinary um, friendlies to get some more interest and you know, get some more eyes on the TV, make some more money essentially. But the the Nations League, it, like it don't mean anything. Like, France won it. I don't really care that we won it. Like, at the end of the day, yeah, we, we were the second winners of it after Portugal. I don't really care about that. At the end of the day, and I, I want to see us get into form to make the World Cup. So, I mean, the only interest I would have is to see what teams potentially do well in it. But this would be more of me checking it now to say, well, yeah, I have a vested interest in in, in terms of the NBA um, in-season tournament. I, I, I think it... it Whichever teams go far in it, or whichever teams make the finals and whatnot, I, I, I do believe that that it will spur them on a little bit 
you know, towards the end goal. So I, I definitely will be paying attention to it, but I can't say that I have like a vested interest that I will be sitting down to watch every single game. <sighs> I don't really care. <laughs> I, want, I want the I want the 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 that stretch, the final stretch, and then playoff basketball, essentially. Okay. Well, I mean, I've I've been to quite a few games now, done at Ball Arena. I I love going to watch basketball games, so I'll be seeing what the ticket prices are looking like during that in season tournament. Because well, I mean, the Nuggets the Nuggets are the defending champions. Why 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 don't I go down there to see the defending champions play against whoever they have to fair. play? And I, I also like the, the teams that are in the pot with them. We have the Clippers, the Pelicans, the Mavericks and I mean the Rockets. But we will I mean we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. So now before we, we wrap this show up, we need to get the folks ready for the um, regular season, which is about to start. And we're going to go out east first. Um, so we know Milwaukee, they made the big trade to bring in Dame Dollar. We, we talked about that, I think, two weeks ago, maybe. And when that trade was made, you know, in the wash of that trade, we had Drew Holiday going over to the Boston Celtics. So, AJ, everybody believes that Milwaukee and Boston are the two teams that are best positioned to make a run at the Eastern Conference Championship. But you know there's some other teams that are scratching the boat behind them for a position and thinking that maybe they too can make a run. So, who do you believe is the best team position to challenge Milwaukee and Boston this season? As much as I don't believe that this team will actually be able to, to get over that hump and, and and beat either of them in the seven-game series this time around, I'd have to say the Heat. Just from what we've seen in the last couple of seasons, and I, I, can, I can't count them out. I can't count them out at this point. And... The, the, We've spoken about the Heat team, this Heat team ad nauseum. Um, I'm not going to act like I know all of their offseason roster moves thus far, but what I do know is that they are in and about that playoff picture every single year. And every single year, even if they drop lower in the seedings, they are that kind of team that will scrap and push and, and at least get through to that conference semifinals. Uh, and as we've more recently seen to the finals, again, like they're, they're just that kind of team. I, I think after after the two big guns in, in Milwaukee and Boston, I have to give it to Miami because they have been the most consistent team outside of those two in the last few seasons. Um, gotten to a couple of finals, gone to like, like regular visitors uh, of um, conference finals and stuff. So it would have to be them. It would have to be them. I, I, at this point, I don't see them pulling off any surprises. I, <laughs> I think after what happened to Milwaukee last year, that was a lot of, not a lot, we know that, that was the reason why they went out and they, they gave up what they gave up to, to bring in Dame. Um, I don't think that that happens this time, this year, like, you know, Miami surprises them with that level of of, of um, outstanding victory, but it would have to be Miami to answer that question. Um, and to be honest, they're the only team right now I would vote for in the Eastern Conference outside of Milwaukee and Boston. 
It's just Miami. Okay, interesting. So, I actually don't agree with you on that one. But the team that I think is going to be... It's difficult to say contending. Because I don't trust I don't trust what the Heat have right now. At the beginning as the season is about to start. Because there was a reason why they were going after them as hard as it did. And that didn't work out. So right now we're looking at Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, Tyler Hero, who is pretty good offensively but not good at all defensively. They lost their two starting guards in Struess and um, I don't remember the other guard's name right now. I didn't know they've had to do some right, Gabe Vincent. Right. So Matt Struess and Gabe Vincent, they're both departed and they know how to do some rebuilding. I'm not sure that the Heat are there. A team that has that came on very strong after the trade deadline last season that I'm definitely going to be keeping a very close eye on, is the Brooklyn Nets. It's not even the Philadelphia 76ers, because 76ers, they have a world of problems over there. We see those Brooklyn Nets. The Brooklyn Nets last season, AJ, if you don't, if you remember correctly, the Brooklyn Nets finished with a record of 45 and 37. And they were pretty much considered to be dead in the water when they made the trade to get rid of Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, they fired the coach and brought in Jacques Vaughn as opposed to bringing in a bigger name. And all that team did from there on was win. They got a whole lot better in a very short space of time. They have now had an off-season and training camp and everything to instill their offense. Spencer Dinwiddie and Mikhail Bridges, they played phenomenally at the end of last season. I like the Nets. I definitely like the Nets more than I like Philly because... Like I said, Philly, right now, they're, they're, they're definitely between a rock and a hard place. They, need, they have a lot that they need to figure out. So that's the East. I know the question is, well, you know, these guys, the, the Denver Nuggets, they're, they're defending champions. But the West is, is always the West where there's a lot of moving parts. There's a lot of teams that you're never quite sure you know, what we're going to get from them. Others, we expect them to be good and then they kind of let us down like the Lakers for the last few seasons. So, if you had to pick a team to stop Denver this season in the West, who would it be? This is this is the hardest question. <laughs> because, because of how you worded it, right? Because I... It's not that I don't believe that other teams will improve from last year. Mm-hmm. I just don't think there's any matchup at this point still to worry Denver. I don't think Denver gets surpassed. That's the thing at this point. And I, this is just me, but I find, I find it hard to see. I mean, I know Steph is your guy. I know the Warriors is that kind of team that, again, like you never want to come out. Yeah, but I ain't even on that right now. I just don't think they match up well to mm. Denver. 
I don't think any team at this point still matches up well. And you know, you know, KD's my guy, so you know I want to see the Suns as well. And I think the Suns are going to be better offensively. I still have some questions about what they're that how they're going to look as a defensive unit next year, right? And 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 it, therein lies my concern. Because Denver Denver already has their identity. We know what Denver is going to be. We know what kind of, of threat Denver poses both offensive on both ends of the floor so i, I it, the the suns in there in their haste to try and build this championship level team i don't i still don't know at this point whether or not let me rephrase that i still am not confident at that at this point they match up well to denver can i can't really find a team enough <laughs> I, honestly, I can be honest bro i cannot find a team i i want to say someone else like i just I just don't have faith in anyone else that much. Um, all I'm looking through and I can see is Denver. Interesting. And, and, and with yeah, um, even with the Clippers thing, like I, I don't know. I just that I, I know Stephen A. kind of goes very hard sometimes when he talks on these guys, but the the I, I think that the 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 discussion of no, Kawhi Leonard and his injuries and being available mm -hmm. is a credible one, especially in crunch time. So I'm not even counting on the Clippers themselves. I I, I just don't think. I I I I will defer to you here. I want to hear what you say because I, I I'm not confident in any of these other teams I, as it stands at this point. Like going into the season, I'm not confident that that Denver is going to be dethroned in the West unless they dethrone themselves by having an extremely bad series. Okay. So the interesting thing for me, when I, when I think of Denver and I look at their roster, because like I said, I went to the game on Sunday, right? So my concern for Denver, let me start there. My concern for Denver is the players that they lost. They lost Bruce Brown, they lost Jeff Green, and there was one other notable name that they lost as well. Not coming to me. But Bruce Brown, Jeff Green were key men that played in their rotation last season, right? And now those two guys are gone. And they have they haven't replaced them with um veterans. Like one of the veterans that has come into the team is Justin Holiday, who is Drew Holiday's brother. And that is the only thing that everybody really knows about Justin Holiday, that he's Drew Holiday's brother. Because Justin Holiday has played for a lot of teams. He's been on a lot of squads since he's been in the NBA. And he has not really done very much in any of the stops that he's been at. Which is why he's been moved around quite a bit. So, when I was at the game, I was looking at some of the young players that I had to see who could possibly come in and give them you know, some, some quality minutes. There's a youngster by the name of Julian Strother. Remember the name Julian Strother. He last night played some ex not not last night Sunday night played some excellent basketball. He has some boats, so he can finish at the rim. He he can dunk the ball. He has it seems he has a pretty good, decent layup package, and he can shoot the ball from outside. He has the makings of somebody that can give them a good fifteen to twenty minutes in there. Then there was a guy, Jalen Pickett. He also played some decent minutes. Didn't play too bad. Um, 
the names that I mentioned that did not play, well, they didn't really do anything, obviously. KCP, I, I, was, I went to the game with a friend, and I told him at one point in time, well, KCP, he and uh, Justin Holiday seemed to be out here for a fitness exercise. Because up until that point in time, I think KCP had only, he had two, he had two assists or two rebounds. He had two of something. And that was all he had for the entire game. And then KCP went mad and hit a few threes. And I was like, okay, I guess he heard me talking about it. Because it was literally just after I said that, that he started to score. But Justin Holiday, I don't think he really scored much. But I have to see what Denver has when the games actually come. They have the cohesion among with Murray and Jokic. They still have Aaron Gordon, my guy. They still have um, KCP, as I mentioned. So they have the makings of a, they have a, they have the core still together, and now you can just build around that core. So we'll see, we'll see what they're able to do in that case. Now Golden State has been retooling and retooling, and you know they got rid of Jordan Poole and they kept Draymond Green, but the boys are a year older, and injuries have been a part of each season for the last like four or five years for Steph, Clay and Draymond. So CP3 coming in there, you know, he's another man that always hurts. So we, I, I don't feel tremendous confidence when I think about the Warriors. I am not a believer in this Lakers squad. I have not been since the bubble. And even that bubble squad, I wasn't very confident with either. So, I don't, I don't know. Um, when I look at the other teams at the very top of the division, like Memphis is, doesn't have John Morant for 25 games. Sacramento, we've got to see if they can do it again. The team best position will have to be Phoenix. When all of these trades and all the, everything that happened this offseason, Phoenix got a lot better. The team, in terms of depth, got a lot stronger. So Phoenix should be positioned that they can make some noise. Should be. But they're also hoping that um, Nurkic, Yusuf Nurkic, he comes back from injury and looks like pre-injury Nurkic. Because he hasn't, he's been playing himself, but he's been getting better every, every game or every week since you know, he came back from injury last season. But we have to see what he looks like now going forward. Because he is going to have a role to play. Maybe not offensively, he's going to have to be that defensive anchor. We have to see if his legs can hold up. But I think Phoenix is probably the team that is best positioned of all, if there's one, to challenge Denver in this season's Western Conference. So as we as we wrap the show up today, AJ, there's got to be a team, a sleeper team, a team that nobody is really checking for, that you think can probably make some noise big, make it into the playoffs or get into the play-in tournament. Who do you have as your sleepers? If you have one for each conference, that's fine. Um, um, what do I want to see from my, what do I want to see? Uh, I, I, this is, I, I can't tell you that I've studied this. Again, I, I'm, I haven't studied enough of the roster moves in, in the offseason so far. That's the reason why. Now, I want to see, 
I want to say that my guys, <laughs> my guys in Detroit are gonna be sleepers. <laughs> but I, I, I can't even say that with a straight face. They've been sleeping for so long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they've been, they've been the other type of sleepers. Um, I mean, I expect Cleveland to be there in the boats again. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I would call them sleepers because I think that they are a, a, a playoff caliber team. I just don't know if if they have what it takes to win a series. I think what if I think if if what would be the surprise is if they actually win that first series and and get into the second round. Um, that's the only team I could see potentially. Like, but when did they get when did they get eliminated last year? It was it wasn't the first round? I think it was the second round. It was the second. It was by the Knicks, right? Yeah, they got beat by the Knicks. It was the Knicks, yeah. But wasn't it in the first round? Because then the Knicks lost in the second round? Yes, you're correct. I'm mistaken? Yeah. Right, right. So I think that, if anything, I, I would say could potentially be my secret pick. Like, the Cavs get into the second round. That's pretty much it. Um, yeah, over in the, over in the West, like, sleeper-wise, I, I am kind of interested in this Blazers team, though. They're still a young team, but after trading, I feel like they could. They, they, I mean, I think I think they're on the good side of coaching, and I think they're in one of those positions where after you get rid of your franchise player and you make the team work more well-rounded, you could find that they perform a little bit better, maybe higher than than expectations. Because I I don't think anyone at this point has any expectations of that team. I don't think anyone has them necessarily making it to like the postseason or whatever. I feel like they could get to the playing tournament. That's what I was. I feel like they're they might sneak into the playing. I don't know if I have much faith in them to go and much further than that. I I, I think that may, might be their ceiling, like a playing spot in that maybe like maybe like an eighth or ninth. I don't even think tenth. I'll say eighth or ninth for for them. Um, I don't know. I, I think they made some good moves after getting rid of them. To be mm-hmm. very honest, and I don't think the I I I feel like the moves for them are not done in the immediate future. So I'll I'll, I'll keep an eye on them. Okay, so I have two teams, one well, in the east, one in the west. The team that I have my eye on in the east is the Orlando Magic, because the Magic were better than expected last season. They finished with thirty four wins. I mean, still losing season. But they're a very young roster. They, I don't think they really have. Outside of Wendell Carter, I don't think they really have that veteran presence on the squad. So from that perspective, yeah, I think that Orlando, they can make some noise with the development of their players if they continue to develop in the way that they have. Then Orlando, you know, they could probably sneak in any time spot. Because last season, last season they finished 13th, even with those 34 wins. So 10th last season was Chicago with 40 and 42. And when you look at all those teams in the bottom of the league, it's really hard picking. It's, 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 it's really hard to figure out who you think you can you know, hang your hat on. So I think I'll go with Orlando from the East. And I've made this pick last season and I'm going to make it again this season. In the West, that's the New Orleans Pelicans. The Pelicans last season, 
injuries was their problem. Because before Brandon Ingram went down, we know Zion really didn't play much at all last season. On the court, at least. You know, he, he had his off-the-court shenanigans, but we won't, we won't bother to get into those right now. Um, the Pelicans were third in the West before the trapdoor fell beneath them. And then it dropped all the way down to ninth, I think it was? Yes, to ninth in the standings. This Pelicans team, they're well-coached. They have a lot of good players, a lot of young, hungry players. CJ McCollum now is the, well, I guess you could say he's the veteran leader on the team. While they're still hoping that Zion could get his act together. They're saying that Zion had his best offseason now as a pro. I mean, if you ask Miss Mills, maybe you get a different um, interpretation of professionalism in the offseason. But they said that he's done everything that they expected him to do. They're hoping that, you know, he'll be able to keep himself on the floor more than he has done so far this season. If Zion is healthy, this team is a playoff team. Straight up. Then they're going to finish in the top six of the of the Western Conference. If Zion is not healthy, they could be a playing team. But that's probably still finishing at 7 for 8 I think that the Pelicans, I believe in what the Pelicans have been building and what they've been trying to do. So now they just have to do it. It is time. It is time now for everybody to stop all the talking and all the jibber-jabber. It is time to put it on the floor, AJ. The basketball season is here and I am excited. I am excited for it. I know you don't really care until the All-Star game rolls around, but I care. I care. But I have a, I'm now in a basketball town because the football teams have not been covering themselves with any glory in Denver. So, yeah, I am I am very excited for what happens this NBA season. I cannot wait. Cannot wait. You would think that Dallas would be a basketball town since their basketball team has won more recently than their football team. But no, no. They, they believe in the Cowboys even more than they believe in the Mavericks. Of course, but the Cowboys are America's team, so... <laughs> yeah so that's a good spot to land this week's episode AJ I know we, we had advertised that we were going to have a guest um, unfortunately our guest did not was not able to make it he resort, resides across the pond so it could always be a little bit dicey I'm assuming he's still asleep so um, he was not able to join us but I'm glad that anyone, everyone who was able to spend some time with us today on today's Green Bay's podcast, we thank you so much. As we always tell you, like this video, subscribe to the channel, hit the notification bell so that every time that we are on, you will be here with us. For those who've been doing the primetime pick'em, we have prizes. We have two prizes for the top two in the pick'em. If you are the winner of the pick'em, and we will have some standings coming out this week, so if you're the winner of the pick'em, you will get a $50 gift card from Amazon. That way, regardless of where you live, we can get it to you and it will not cost us anything to post. So you have a $50 gift card for the winner and a $20 gift card for the runner-up. So if you have not been making your picks, well, you still have time. You never know how things can shake up in the next 12 weeks of the season. So get on it as soon as you can. Like I said, my picks have not been doing very well, so I will not be keeping that gift card myself, I assume. 
but we will we will be able to make an announcement later on in the season as to who wins that and of course like you said we are a small operation so if you want to hop out you want to sponsor a prize then we will be very happy to make mention of your name here and whoever wins would also be very happy for that so yeah that brings us to the end of this week's green beige podcast as always that is aj he is the green i am ken i am the beige and we will see you next time